2: It's Rick Tittle! <laughs>
3: Welcome in, welcome one, welcome all. Just hear those sleigh bells ring. Sorry, it's November. Don't get ahead of yourself, Rick. Are people putting up Christmas lights? Are you putting up Hanukkah lights? What are you doing? You putting up Ramadan? What do you do? It's America. You can do whatever you want. No lights. Although I have to say, on Halloween, the people who turn off their lights, lock up and pretend they're not home for trick-or-treaters, you people are the scum of the earth. You hear me? Scum of the... Right, I'm getting off on a bad foot here. Uh, I'll be here for the next three hours taking your calls on the topic of sports. What sports? All of them. How can you be an expert in I Don't No one is an expert in everything. I'll talk about everything. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call. 1-800-878-7529. Get you in and get you heard, girl. And I'm talking all across this great land of ours, Alaska. Are you up there in Nightmute, Huh? How about down there in Tierra del Fuego? Rick, that's actually South America. All right, whatever. But we want to hear from you. 1-800-878-PLAY. Also, proud and privileged of being on the American Forces Radio Network. 500 outlets, 177 countries, ships at sea. I joined the Navy to see the world, and what did I see? I saw the sea. Uh, also, uh, you can catch us on sportsbyline.com. Emails Rick at sportsbyline.com. Click listen live. Tune in app, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app, twitch.tv. There I go, there I go, there I go. I know we're getting off on a bad foot here. Rick, do you do cocaine in the morning? I've never done any drugs. Do you drink coffee? I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. True story. I can't get that smell. It smells like a bathroom to me. You know what else does? Our guest Kevin Durand on the other side. Just kidding. He's a big actor. Salesporttalk.com this hour. Comedian Mike Kaplan is going to join us later. Come on back and let's do this.
4: Come now
1: please 800-756-3744 800-756-3744 800-756-3744 that's 800-756-3744
2: angie's list is now angie and caring for your home just got easier whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel angie makes it easy to see reviews compare quotes and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A N G I.com.
6: Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is so handsome. He's a genius.
3: Hey, thank you so much, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's great to start off the show with uh, veteran actor Kevin Durand, and he's here to talk about his new movie called Dangerous. It is available on the 5th, just a couple days, from Lionsgate. And you might remember I was speaking to director David Hackle a couple of uh, years ago. Kevin, welcome to the show. And you've been in so many big movies. So uh, do you still kind of get goosebumps a little bit when you hear a movie that you're in is about to release or is it, is it kind of like par for the course or like old hat at this point?
7: Uh, how you doing, Rick? Um, y- you know, it, uh, it never gets tired for me every, every, every day on set. Even, um, I was just talking about this yesterday with my, uh, cast um, as we were shooting a scene, um, I'm on location shooting in Toronto right now, and uh, you know, I just said, how, how how bloody lucky are we? Yeah, you know? and then and then when they come out, it's just, it's kinda like Christmas, you know?
3: <laughs> no doubt, and I know you're from Thunder Bay, and the first person I think of Thunder Bay is, is Paul Schaefer. Uh, Thunder Bay, a, a, do, a how much are you guys, like if, if Paul Schaefer's walking down one side of the street, Kevin Durant on the other. Where do the citizens run to?
7: Um. Well, well, first off, I need you to change your thought process. When you think Thunder Bay, you got to think Kevin Durant now. (laughs) Like let's let's get this straight, Rick. You know, you're interviewing me. You don't have Paul Schaefer here. You think of me when you think of Thunder Bay. How about that?
3: (laughs) I'll do that. Yeah.
7: You you know what, Rick? I've never met Paul Schaefer. I I, he 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 went out into the world. Uh, leaving Thunder Bay and did uh, so many incredible things. Um, you know, I would cross the street to go shake his hand and take a, ask him for a picture, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. I guess we'd all go to his side because because uh, um, I, I would definitely run there. We'd both be on the same side.
3: All right. Uh, well done. And we'll get to the new movie in a second. But uh, I'm from Oakland, and I remember when Fruitvale Station came out, and I was lucky enough to have Michael B. Jordan uh, on the show and uh, for, for you what was that project like knowing you know with the whole Oscar Grant situation just how what a huge deal that was uh, in the Oakland community
7: you know it was interesting because at first I, I was really scared to do it um, um, I didn't understand the importance of, of of playing the side of the story that I did to, to, to make it um, Seen and heard, and how important that actually uh, was when I did that film. And Ryan Coogler called me, and basically within a couple of minutes talking to Ryan Coogler, who's a, who's who's from uh, your hometown, mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the guy's just a genius. He's visionary, um, and he really made me aware of, of 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 what I needed to do. And I was I was so grateful to get to be a part of it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, shooting on that, (laughs) shooting at Fruitvale Station was probably one of the most visceral experiences I've had on film, shooting with Michael and with Ryan. Um, Just felt so insanely thick with reality and and, uh, gravity and um, and just kind of, uh, you know, and it, it enlightened me and enlightened the world a lot more as to, you know, the state of of uh of, of, of where we're at you know uh socially with these uh racial issues in in the world right now
3: no doubt yeah and what was to come all right let's talk about uh, dangerous and uh i had uh as i mentioned hackle i might have said years ago I had a couple of days ago actually on the show and um this is a a project that uh when you get the script, because now as a as a working actor as you are, you you can uh, you know be choosy. What was it about this script that really spoke to you?
7: I love the I love the take of uh, of um, you know seeing the world through um, through the eyes of, of of someone who is completely uh, unable to experience empathy and um, and to ha- be part of that uh, minute percentage of 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 sociopaths psychopaths who um also don't experience uh fear it it was just so interesting to me it hooked me in right away and then when i got to uh to my character in it, i was like oh well that would be just you know delicious fun uh uh and i you know it, it turned out to be even greater than i than i believed it would be when i saw it i was like this is uh this is fantastic i can't wait for people to you know sit down uh in the theater and or or on their couches and 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 just just be entertained it's it's highly entertaining it's so fun
3: very cool yeah and uh, just to give a thumbnail on the plot uh scott eastwood plays the main protagonist dylan Forrester. he's a uh, refined uh ex-con but still a little bit of a uh crazy guy just trying to serve out his parole uh, his brother dies under mysterious circumstances and then the uh, the game is afoot uh, so to speak I, I always wonder when you're f- when you film things out of order d- does that bother you as an actor it's like well because of the Sun and because you have a beard we're doing the last scene now I mean does, <laughs> does that bother you at all
7: uh, shooting this thing that I'm shooting right now uh, I I I, I uh... Yeah, my end to this the, the, to the story uh, was the first scene I shot, and it, it was. You, you just get used to it, and you have to just really do your homework. You have to read the script over and over and over again, and, and really be clear about what it is you want to uh, to get to um, at, at those different moments throughout the script, because we don't have the, <laughs> you know, the luxury of chronology. <laughs> yeah, uh, no yeah.
3: doubt. And, and when you've done so much TV and so many really good movies too, and uh, I know people do a lot of movies, they don't, you don't, I mean, your, your list, you've got some really good ones, but if you're, are you ever sitting at home one day and half asleep going through the remote and you're like, Oh, I forgot I was in the echo or whatever. <laughs>
7: <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's kind of a funny thing. I'm, I'm kind of a, a, a weird a weird actor in the sense that i actually really love watching the stuff that i've been in um hmm. because it's the only way that i could learn you know the, the only way that we could really understand who we are is 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 by truly looking inside ourselves and to see what i did you know 20 25 years ago um i could see uh you know a a clear journey as to where i am now and you know I'm 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 just grateful that there's so many things out there that i've done over the last you know, two and a half, three decades. It's just been, um, it's just been a, it's it, it, it's an honor that people sit down and, and and watch me and get a kick out of what I do, and then I get to go do it again and again and again, and I'm I, I I just I just love it. I just love it.
3: No, it's great, and it's a testament to your your talent that you keep getting these gigs. Last question for you: Do you have one that's your all time favorite? Because for me, I I think probably the three ten to Yuma. I mean, with <laughs> Crow and Bale and Fonda Foster. I mean, such a such a good and people try to do westerns all the time and they fail and this one just worked so well do you have a favorite
7: dude i i was gonna say um i was gonna say 310 yuma because from the day that we did the table read you know you got all these legends around the table i'm 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 still pretty kind of new uh, uh to 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 the film industry at that point um but we all were just throwing absolute fire nobody was like nobody called in the table read, you know, and you just look over at James Mangold and he was just smiling like a Cheshire cat, (laughs) you know? And I was like, this is special, you know? And when I saw it, I, 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 love that. I, I love a tiny uh, movie that I did called dark was the night. It was was the only time that I've ever had a chance to play the, uh, the the lead in the film. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really appreciate the fact that we made it for such little amount of money, and um, you know, and and the characters in the story, everything came through really clearly. Uh, um, so those are probably my two favorites as of now.
3: Dark was the night, subtitled "Evil's Roots Run Deep."
7: Yeah, <laughs> I have
3: to check that one out. But until, <laughs> before we do that, we want to make sure in three days to see Dangerous. This is from Lionsgate, and uh, it's coming out with our guest. Uh, Kevin Durant. Kevin, hey, man, thanks for coming on the show. Congratulations on the film, and uh, let's catch up soon.
7: It's uh, great chatting with you, man. Thank you.
3: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We have open lines on the other side. Come on back on Sports SportsBuy.com.
1: Eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero. that's eight hundred three zero six seventeen sixty. 80.
10: Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? I put it under a trophies, <laughs> that's brown,
6: that's cold, it's hot, I'm on the beach, I'm a so-play unequal, it calls me bloodless four, but he loves to kill it's fun, and the power that he feels, when he runs a trigger on me,
11: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: Well, that's just the way it goes. Donut? Yeah, that's what I had said. one 800 A play By the way, that Kevin Durant, I guarantee you, you would recognize him. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't know the name. Obviously, it ain't KD. That's Kevin Durant. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you would definitely recognize him. He usually plays a really creepy guy. You know, with a big, like, kind of a big guy, muscular, short hair with a toothy grin. He'll get you. All right. Coming up in the next segment, we'll go to our salesporttalk.com segment that we always do at the uh, 940 mark here. Uh, Yeah, it's a segment about sailing. Takes me away to it. Did you watch Monday Night Football last night? Uh, I did. You know why? Because I have no. Li- no, because there was no Warriors. There was no Sharks. There's no baseball, <laughs> uh, obviously. Uh, we could have the end of the World Series tonight. We'll see what happens if the Rastros can be the seventh team uh, to rally from 3 1 down to win. They've got to win tonight before they get a chance to do that manana. And the Braves would love to have this all end tonight. We'll see what happens. But the Chiefs, you know, the whole catchphrase, the league is figured it out, blah, blah, blah. Those are catchphrases until they're not catchphrases. But what's going on with the Chiefs? We know their defense stinks. And and the thing is, is I'm going to bring in uh, the notorious G.A.T., G.A.T., Gracie Terrell. One of, it's been too long since I've had G.A.T. on the show. She is the queen of Kansas City sports talk. She flew out to Oakland one time to with her peeps uh, to see the Chiefs at the Raiders, and uh, we had some beers. She came out to see the Royals at the Coliseum against the A's. We had some beers with her friends. She's a good, she's a good egg, as Mark Norman would say, and she knows. We'll, we'll get her thoughts, but anyway, it, it wasn't easy. Kansas City struggled to move the ball. Four point eight yards per play. And even when the Chiefs did get something going, they would drop the ball, they'd have a penalty, they'd have a turnover. But here's the thing. What was it like four minutes and forty two seconds left? And Mahomes gets the ball and it's a tie game. Well, what do you think's gonna happen? I said they're gonna drive down and kick a field goal. Yeah, of course they did, and they won. And the Giants had a chance on a last-ditch last drive. They had, I think it was like a minute six and no timeouts, which is plenty of time. You can throw the ball down the middle of the field. And for me, what I said, it's very easy for me to scrutinize from my couch thousands of miles away. I said, just throw some middle routes, about 15 yards, and just you know move the chains, move the chains. You know, The first two, you won't even have to spike it. Just move the change. Maybe the third time you get a first down, maybe you gotta spike it. But what do the Giants call? They call a two yard out and the guy runs out of bounds. And then they call another like two yard out, which is dropped. And then Daniel Jones takes a sack, which not only like (laughs) pulls you twelve yards back, the clock is running. It's just stupid and then to take a sack and then to try a holy roller, except that's illegal now, you can't advance the ball. So Kansas City saved their season. For a week at four and four, New York, if they wanted to win two games in a row and go to three and five and say, here we come, the Joe Judge locomotive, whoop, whoop, no. So the, the Chiefs won not because Mahomes and the offense got back on track, I mean, dumping it off to Tyreek Hill on short targets was easy ways to get first down, and you got to give Andy Reid credit for going that route. But the Chiefs, inexplicably, on defense, had just as much, if not more, of a hand in surviving New York. Willie Gay snagged a Daniel Jones pass early to offset Mahomes' own pick when he was inside the 20. Chris Jones, Chris Jones, Chris Jones, he got a late sack. And that typical porous secondary just would not, Jones, let uh, let him move the ball down the field. <clears throat> just that one deep one to John Ross was about it. But some early carries from Derek Gore, Frank Gore, Derek Gore. But it was very sloppy. And Steve Spagnuolo, his, his unit, was just opportunic- opportunis- opportunistic enough to give the Giants' offense a little bit of a go. But for the G-men, they were never out of the game, which would have sounded nuts a month ago. This was one you just write down, that's a win at Arrowhead. Let's move on, right? But they gutted it out against a team that had superior talent at so many positions. And Patrick Graham's defense kept stepping it up, keeping Mahomes off script, generally just containing that slumping offense. But once again, and... I mean, Jason Garrett, as the quote-unquote OC, was just far too conservative on a night that Big Blue should have been eager to take shots, especially on third down. And then Joe Judge doesn't know how to manage a clock, particularly in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, Daniel Jones was dumb. He took a bad sack. He threw a bad pick. But he always also had bodies in his face almost the whole night. So really, on the it was the the Chiefs, what was it? Penultimate offensive possession, and Mahomes flung the ball downfield haphazardly, and Darnay Holmes made a leaping grab, and that was the Giant's second interception on the night. But there was an offsides, barely, and they got down and got the field goal. So, and once again, uh, John Ross, I'll I'll give him credit. I mean, Daniel Jones let loose at his own ten yard line. And it was a beautiful pass, but it was just hanging up there. It was short. I'm not a big fan of that Sorensen guy. I don't know how that guy is still in the league, but he was able to uh, bring it in. But the Chiefs are going to stay home for Week 9, and they don't get any break. They get the Packers, who not only come in at 7-1, and one, they're coming in from TNF, so they've got a couple of days extra rest. The Giants are going to go home, and they're going to uh, – host the Raiders. the Raiders right now lead the AFC West five and two and are coming out of their uh, their bye week. But what I think is issue what I think is a funny issue with the whole uh Joe judge being bad with uh, with the time issue he, he continues to find ways to lose football games with those uh, ugly uh, timeouts they had to burn in the first half. What did Joe Judd say? The headsets were going out. We are having headset issues. This has happened in every game so far. We deal with the league and they keep telling us there are different software updates or whatever it is, but we had to call two timeouts today because we were trying to send the deals in personnel wise and you got half of the headsets not getting reception. That is the issue right now. We are trying to make the right call. There were other times it was not the right look. I wanted to make sure we settled down. But the other one with the substitution right there, that is a breakdown. We have to make sure the hardware is working. So whatever the issue with that is, the people involved better get it fixed fast. Well, look, his clock management has never been great. But the chiefs were down inside the 20 at 1717, and Judge decided to run the clock down to the two-minute warning rather than burn their final timeout and give the Giants more time on the clock that they would get back. And Judge didn't say if the headsets were an issue in that scenario. He said there were a couple scenarios. This is just how things are playing out on, based on situations. There were two times today where the headsets were an issue. We will do hand signals or whatever we have to do. If we can't rely on the equipment, we'll figure something else out. One point, we tried to go back to the old equipment, and they told us we are not allowed to do it for whatever reason. We didn't have issues with it last year for the most part. We hope, hopefully, we will figure that out. <clears throat> well, judges eight and sixteen as head coach of the Giants. Only six teams in the league have fewer wins uh, since that, and all of them have had first head first year head coaches this year. So, and the Judge said, I don't want to make this all about the headsets. I'll just say whoever's in charge, I don't know the exact answer. I don't know if it comes from the league or us exactly, but they better fix it. That is it. I remember when I was in college, my head coach, who was not a good guy, he was kind of a jackass, but his headset wasn't working. And I remember I was standing right next to him, and the the technical guy came over and he said, "Uh, what's wrong with it? And my coach took off the headset and the whole pack off his waist. And he yelled, effing fix it. And he slammed it on the ground and everything broke into a hundred (laughs) pieces. Well, you just made me fixing it a million times harder. But how lame is that? We'll do hand signals if we have to. You don't already have the hand signal? I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
12: this is karen lyle of salesport talk sharing a conversation i had while in paris with john poshner general manager of the yacht club costa smeralda in sardinia italy
13: the whole costa smeralda area which is basically the north north shore of sardinia in the mediterranean has been developed by um, his highness the Aga khan prince Karim Aga khan um, in the late um, 60s um, basically it's 55 kilometers of coastline and um, it's, it's, it's called Costa Esmeralda that's where Porto Chervo is located and so he, he founded Porto Chervo, he founded the whole coastline basically developed the whole the whole area with hotels and, 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 and infrastructure and and, and um, one of the, uh, one of the things he found was the yacht club itself in 1967. So he still is the president of the club, and his daughter Princess Zara is the president of the board. And also, when we started the One Ocean Foundation, um, she is very environmental conscious and wants to drive that. Um, so she is president of the foundation.
12: Well, you know, I had a conversation with some of the Ismaili followers yeah. of the Aga Khan in Zanzibar in, at the Serena Inn, which is one of, one exactly. of the properties. And yeah. I've been a guest there because I organize safaris through Tanzania and also end up always in Zanzibar sailing the dows. <laughs> And Beautiful. Okay. Yes, but one of the things that was really clear to me was that, that the Aga Khan and his followers are very business-minded and open internationally to many different cultures and many different experiences, and that's something that I've always experienced whenever I've been traveling.
13: I fully I fully agree. Um, the Arkhan family and 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 what they stand for for the whole, uh, Ismailism. Um One of the things, just to underline what you just said on on the openness to different cultures, is he actually founded the Arkhan actually founded the center of pluralism, uh, with 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 very high um, um, uh, personalities like uh, Kofi Annan, for example. He's part of that. So. Um, He's really about uh, believing in pluralism, different cultures and and, and trying to sort of, um, you know, be a trade union in a way, um, in a good way. Um, So I think he's a fabulous visionary and and, and leader in that respect.
12: That conversation between John Poschner and myself was before the pandemic. Yesterday, at the Yacht Club Costa Smeralda, the last leg of the Youth Foiling Gold Club concluded. Weather conditions on the second to last day put the technical skills of the teams to the test, with winds of around 18 knots and gusts up to 20, choppy seas and poor visibility. Young Azura got a good start and were hot on the heels of leaders Team Argentina up to the third leg when the boat capsized due to a gust. Despite having lost their advantage, the team were able to recover some ground to cross the finish line in fourth place. This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk, giving a shout-out to Yacht Club Costa Smeralda in Porto Cervo, Sardinia, Italy.
3: All right. Crisscross applesauce. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. The dulcet town, tones of the uh, the 80s crooner. Uh, we are here for you at 940 Pacific time. Rick Tittle and Karen Lyle. Karen Lyle co-hosts this segment with me because she is from salesportstalk.com and we devote this segment to the, the seven seas. Karen joins me live on the horn from uh, her yacht club. Where are you, Karen?
14: Well, actually, I will be on my yacht as soon as I'm finished with this show. I'm just taking it over to the boatyard for a rigging inspection. So
3: do you have to do that whenever whenever you go out do they have to check your rigs?
14: Well, it's it's basically for um, for commercial school um, insurance for a sailing school that I'm setting up. So you have to have um, any experienced rigger go up and check the rig or the insurance company will insure it.
3: Very interesting. All right. So um, I know you wanted to talk about uh, John Vandemore today. John Vandemore was the Stanford sailing coach that got caught up in the varsity blues scandal, the admissions scandal, and uh, he lost his job. And um, he was probably if you watched the uh, Netflix special or uh, I had him on my show a couple of weeks ago talking about his book, Rigged Justice, double entendre. Uh, he basically just said, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, on a phone call. And then he was like, whoops, what happened? And um, But the challenges that go to uh, coaches in all sports when it comes to recruiting, I mean, in football, they will count how many text messages you give recruits. But with college sailing, I mean, Karen, as you know, there are a lot of people that don't even know that there's college sailing programs. So uh, what about some of the uh, challenges that they have?
14: Well, I mean, I, I finished reading um, John's book, Rig Justice, um, this last week, and and certainly, I would say that um, I have empathy for the man for getting caught up in this. Um, what I what I'm questioning, or or, the, or kind of what I wanted to talk to you about too, is you know, if a coach is in a position of power and influence. Um, what kind of responsibility do they have for how they make a referral to the school for someone who's making a donation to them? I mean, you know, is it all on the school or is it something that the coach has some responsibility for due due diligence? What do you think?
3: Well, there are many uh, NCAA um, officers which deal with all the sort of, um, what's the word? Uh, It'll come to me. But I used to have a guy who would come on once a week that would talk about uh, the rules and ramifications of recruiting. There are all sorts of uh, very uh, hard and fast rules about recruiting. And yeah, you don't want to just say, look, this guy is going to donate a million dollars and we're going to build a new science building, but his kid stinks uh, at the sports. Uh, uh, So uh, I think everything has to be above board at all times. Compliance, that's a compliance officer. That's what I was thinking of compliance.
14: Right, and I don't. I'm not as familiar with the other sports as you are. I, I'm certainly familiar with this, the the yachting community and the sailing world, and um, and I feel like that the the power and influence that the person has when they're in a position, um, you know, where they're making recommendations as to who's going to be on the team, that it really should be about merit. Um, for who who's on the team, and also that they have some due diligence for any kind of referral they make, either the person that's coming to them with money or otherwise. Um, you know, that's something that um, one of the things that, that John said in his book was I had received zero training from Stanford about ethics and legalities of donations. I was glad the university had an entire athletics department devoted to evaluating and processing gifts, my assumption now, I know, was mistaken. Um, you know, I feel like that whether or not someone has training from Stanford, that the idea about ethics and legality should come with the person. Right? That that's something that you you know you have to you know you have to take responsibility for yourself.
3: There's no doubt, and as much as you want the talented athlete, when you have a fringe sport, and Stanford likes to brag about their President's Cup, which means the most national championships, and there are only two sports in the NCAA which produce revenue, and that's men's basketball and football. No other sport, the other sports cost more than the money they're going to bring in from the gate or anything. So you have to make all your money on college football and college basketball for men. Not even the women bringing any money. So if you're in a sailing program and someone says, "Hey, I'm going to give you money to the sailing program," you might say, "Well, this athlete might not be, you know, Captain Cook, but maybe I can work with with him or her." I mean, I do get it.
14: Well, and you were you were talking a little bit about um, you know merit and that there's all all of these rules in the other sports that are more dominant and that bring in the money. I think. For, for sailing, I don't know that the sailing community is, is, is aware of all of those things um, because it's coming out of a, a, you know, a yacht club community, you know, where people are doing this more recreationally. And unless, you know, unless kids are, you know, on the track for, for profession, being a professional, like, you know, going to America's Cup or, or um, you know, heading... Heading for the Olympics or something like that. There, well, I know the Olympics is not it's not the same professional track, but still, they're they're not getting the same kind of um, information. I certainly had don't know all the rules that you're aware of, you know, for the sports of basketball and and football that have been so well examined.
3: Well, um, over the years but, there was. Well, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Now go ahead.
14: Um. Do you feel feel like that um when a you know when what what is the merit that is necessary to be looked at? I mean there was a thing that Vander said in his book. He said, I attended an all coaches meeting, David Shaw, the head football coach, said he passed on a top quarterback because he wasn't a Stanford man, but it happily brought down a lesser player who believed he was a bet- would be a better fit. Hearing from Coach Shaw, whose team had gone 10-3, won a bowl game, and had been ranked 125th overall nationwide that past season strengthened my resolve to focus more on personality values and less on stats as I recruited my next class. What is the role of merit in this?
3: Well, you have to make sure. This is why the NFL has the, the combine. And remember, in the NFL, the emphasis is on the second syllable. It's not offense, defense, and combine. It's offense, defense, combine. Anyway, they, in Indianapolis, they take all the potential draft picks, and they call the Underwear Olympics. They measure you. They do all sorts of medical tests. Then they do drills. But they also have personal interviews. And you can have a guy who's the best talent you've ever seen, but if he has a swastika tattoo on his neck... You might say, this might not be my type of guy. So uh, Stanford, it's harder to get into Stanford than it is to get into Harvard right now. So Stanford has to recruit. They have to find the valedictorian who's also a blue chip football player, which is not easy. That's why the Bay Area doesn't really care about Stanford because nobody from the Bay Area goes to school there. And the alums leave. This is just my personal opinion. <laughs> the beautiful stadium. In well, here.
14: I'm asking your personal opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, and
3: yeah, nobody ever goes because it's such. It's just such an elite school. If you get in there, like my best friend got in there in high school, and it was it was great for him, and he's now a Microsoft lawyer, and and that's great for him. But that's just the thing is that Stanford has to find the valedictorian who also is a uh, D1 blue chip football player, which is hard. So. um I think a lot of times, you know, you can get breaks on grades depending on what kind of economic background you have. I know that sometimes they'll take a, a break on something like that, but you want everything to be a meritocracy. You want people to, I mean, Richard Sherman, who has gone on to have a fantastic NFL career with a Super Bowl ring and tens of millions of dollars. He came from Compton, as we know, a, a place in East L.A. that uh, is very deprived and a lot of underserved Kids are from there, but he had the grades and he had the talent. And so that was kind of a a good story. So you'd say, well, who's the Stanford man? You know, and and maybe if a a guy's a complete knucklehead, but he still was a 4.0 and was a great player. And David Shaw looks at him and this guy's like, all I care about is chicks and weed. And it's like, well, you know, you have everything I want, except you don't seem like a Stanford guy to me. So that's probably what he meant.
14: Well, I, I think, you know, paying attention to, um, you know, diversity in a school is, is important too. And I'm wondering why John Vandermore didn't reach out to a historic black college with a sailing program or, you know, one of the, you know, the the, the Navy or military training, you know, maritime training teams, you know, and, and create those relationships because, you know, that, you know that it's possible to bring in talent from these other areas, but I think oftentimes that those who are in the yachting community are are not have have not traditionally in the past thought about reaching out there's a little bit more of a barrier you know between between the different um the different communities, and that that's something that I'm seeing, for example, Golden Gate Yacht Club is now putting together a program where they're really reaching out for diversity in their youth, youth training programs, and they're working with U.S. Sailing to kind of open the door to more diversity. Um, that, of course, doesn't help with the, the, the grades part of it, because that, that's something that's another factor. But I'm just talking about the merit of the sailing and being able to get um, you know, recruits who are going to come from a, a variety of, of backgrounds.
3: Right, and remember, the um, coach's job is to win. That's the job. And the one thing that kills me, and I hear it all the time, like I heard it with Jeff Tedford at Cal, it's like, oh, he's not graduating his players. That's not why you give Jeff Tedford $3 million a year. You give him $3 million a year to, to win football games. And there are over – I played college football. There are over 100 guys on the team, and they make tutors available. They make all sorts of resources available to you, I think more than the regular student body get, to help you with your grades. But if some kid's going to be lazy – and not go to class, to to blame that on the coach, I think, is an abomination. But people love to do that with men's basketball men's football. He's not graduating as players. That's not why he's getting paid. He's getting paid to win games because then if you win games, it brings in more revenue. And the revenue that you bring in, if you look at the SEC, the Southeast Conference, and they're getting $11 million a year for the program, that doesn't just go to football. That keeps women's gymnastics and men's lacrosse and women's swimming. It pays for all those other programs. So to blame a coach because a kid is not going to class, I've never understood that.
14: Well, it does seem that if you're gonna have sports in a college that you have to pay attention to the sport itself and to what the, you know, the merits of the players are and how they're doing. And as you say, the goal is to win in a competition. Mm
3: -hmm. And also remember, uh, these are adults. They're 18 years old, but they are adults and they have to get some responsibility for themselves. I do understand high school. If you're not graduating your players, I get that. But once you get to college, now you are legally an adult and you got to grow up.
14: And go to school for the merits of the school itself. I mean, you know, basically it's not just about what the status is and what your parents want or your, everyone else. I mean, there really is some, some benefit to learning in your own life and taking responsibility for that.
3: You would hope so, yeah. And I knew I would never play in the NFL, so I actually had to go to class. If I was going to be a first round pick, I probably would have dropped out like Kevin Johnson and then become <laughs> mayor of Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Karen. Anything else before we wrap it up here?
14: Uh no, no. I think we. I think we've got. We've got. We've got a good conversation going. I'm hoping that. As coaches across the country, and in sailing especially, are thinking about, you know, what we can all learn from this because you always want to learn from from all of these things. You know, really to pay attention to, um, you know, what's coming in the door to to, to do due diligence and um, and and basically take personal responsibility for whatever referrals you make. I think that's that's probably um, a good takeaway.
3: All right, good chat, Karen. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye-bye. All right, Uh, Rick, we got a little off-sailing there, but I like the conversation. We'll take a quick break, and we will come on back on Sports Byland.
1: That's 800-410-4771.
4: I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. If you've had a revision or removal surgery of a hernia mesh implant after 2008, pay close attention to this message.
11: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: Wow, that is some stuff. Whoop, whoop. All right, uh, we do have. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, the notorious GAT from Kansas City will join us here in about uh, fifteen minutes. Mike Kaplan at ten forty, very funny little guy. And then dresser Jesse P. Pollock has a new documentary called "The Acid King," the Timothy Leary now. Is that Jim Morrison? No, that's the Lizard King. But we'll talk to him. 1-800-878-PLAY. Just to wrap up what Karen was saying, that was uh, the whole thing about graduating your athletes. And when the old blues wanted Tedford out, and Tedford got that dilapidated stadium with a real press box, you know, he was getting guys like Deshaun Jackson and Kyle Bowler, who were like the number one recruits in the entire state, stealing them from USC and UCLA, doing all that stuff, finding Aaron Rodgers. He went up to Butte College to look at the tight end. Aaron Rodgers was throwing passes to him. And he said, how many D1 uh, offers do you have? And Aaron Rodgers said, I have zero. And Je- Jeff Tedford said, I'll give you a full ride right now. And by the way, full rides don't grow on trees. You only get so many. Jeff Tedford offered Aaron Rodgers a full ride just watching him throw to his tight end. That tells you how good he was. And then he's not graduating his players. Yeah, good job, because Cal's been really good since Jeff Tedford left. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
17: Say Radio News with Tim Berg. Election security is the top priority today as voters head to the polls in more than 30 states. Cybersecurity experts have created a special situational awareness room to monitor elections and share real-time information with officials. President Joe Biden is delivering remarks at an event at the United Nations Climate Change Conference focusing on accelerating net zero emissions. The president says he will keep investing money in clean
9: energy. Innovation is the key to unlocking our future. That's why the United States is working to quadruple funding for clean energy research and development over the next four years.
17: Nearly 100 countries have agreed to cut their methane greenhouse gas emissions by 30% this decade. China, not one of them. This is USA Radio News.
19: It's a my pillow for the rest of your body. The my pillow mattress topper. You will sleep well. Check it out mypillow.com promo code USA or call 1-800-951-8175. Don't forget using my promo code USA will save you a bunch of money on anything on the my pillow website. Christmas is coming. Get ready. mypillow.com promo code USA 1-800-951-8175. American
17: Airlines is continuing to scrap flights across the country. Close to 200 American Airlines flights have been canceled today, according to the tracking site FlightAware. The airline citing rough weather and staffing issues that bled over into Monday, which now is bleeding over into Tuesday. The cancellations affecting nearly 2,000 flights nationwide over the weekend. Dennis Teijer is with Allied Pilot Association He tells Fox News the messaging coming out of American could be a lot
8: better. Sure, weather happens, but after it happens, the sign of a strong airline is how well you recover. And today, management is showing
6: that they just don't have the fundamentals down.
17: Worth noting weather not affecting flights from other airlines across the country. The Butterball Turkey Talk line is now open. Experts are back for a 40th year to help many get their Thanksgiving dinner on the table. This is USA Radio News.
20: Lights
5: out, everybody. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. Pleasant dreams. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs>
19: The greatest radio shows of all time, USA Classic Radio Theater. On these radio stations or on demand by searching USA Classic Radio Theater. USA Classic Radio Theater.
17: Baseball fans are making their predictions for tonight. The Atlanta Braves could clinch their first World Series title since 1995 if they beat the Astros. Houston kept their chances alive after taking Game 5 on Sunday. They're back at home for Game 6. But these Atlanta Braves fans tell Fox News they're ready for Atlanta to claim the World Series championship.
19: This is amazing. We didn't think we were going to make it coming through this year. Battling the B500, we lost to Acuna. But now it's like miracles are happening and we're leading in the World Series.
17: It's pretty exciting. It's a close game, but yeah, no, there's a lot of good energy and they're, they're going really well. So, The governor of New Hampshire is arresting people who don't agree with him.
21: New Hampshire's GOP governor ordered an army of 80 state troopers to arrest protesters that peacefully turned their back to the governor during an executive council meeting, including questions given on health outcomes for those forced to be vaxxed and those questioning the election fraud in the states.
6: He wanted to talk to me, and he said, oh yeah, you're under arrest. I said, I'm under arrest, for what? He said, disorderly conduct. I said, okay, well, once he cuffed me up, That's when I said, we're being arrested.
21: The governor secretly surrounded the building with state troopers and arrested all dissenting voices. From the USA Radio News, West Texas Bureau, I'm Brad Bernards.
17: For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg.
10: Come on. In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than $1,000. If you owe the IRS $5,000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation.
1: Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's 800-732-9635.
22: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
2: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: I love the fact on my... Uh, by the way, Rick Tittle with you, hour two of three underway. Notorious G.A.T. on the other side. I love the fact on my Twitch stream chat, it says, Want to become famous? Click here. I already am famous. Don't you know who you're talking to? My cousin in San Antonio sent me a text and said, uh, his daughter, who's like nine, he's she's all into soccer, and she said, and he said, you know, my cousin is on the radio, and she's like, Wow, he talks on the radio, and he's like, She can't believe you're famous. I go, No, 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 I'm not famous. I'm effing famous. Yeah. Just kidding. How about timing? Today the Braves have announced that Ehire Adrianza is going on the paternity list, and they've activated Johan Camargo. Now, Neither of these guys would probably play, but Adrianza did have that huge double in the NLCS. Camargo was on the NLCS roster, was 0-4 for against L.A., but Adrianza is a better hitter, and they had been using him as a pinch hitter, especially when Soler was on the COVID list. But... I just I remember when Joe Montana was having a baby with Jennifer and uh, Glenn Dickey of the San Francisco Chronicle wrote an article about, you know, Joe, if you were a real leader, you wouldn't be getting your wife pregnant, whereas they'd have the baby during the playoffs or even football season. You should be having the baby in the summer. And, of course, now that would get Glenn Dickey fired. But back then, it still created a stir. (laughs) Don't tell me when I'm going to do it with my wife. But the, it, and listen, in in fairness to Ahiria Adrianza, it's November. The baby's due date is November. Well, there is no World Series in November. Oh, wait, there is. All right. Interesting timing. And what if Camargo is now the hero? Huh? All right. 1 800 878 play, tune in app, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app, twitch.tv, as I mentioned. Also around the world on the American Forces Radio Network, doing a great job. Stay safe. Come home soon. We're proud of you. Every branch, every branch and every branch. And uh, also, come on back.
18: And now today's Rust Eating Tip of the Day, presented by Free All Deep Penetrating Oil. You're all set for a quick tie rotation until you have a rusted-on wheel. Coat those lug nuts in penetrating oil, let them sit for a few minutes, and you'll have them off in a cinch. Now give a generous spray into each mounting hole, place a 2x4 on the outer edge of the wheel and smack the wood with a mallet, just enough to create some breaking force and vibration. Repeat if necessary. And now a
4: word from Free All. Stop wasting your time struggling to loosen rusted nuts and bolts. Start using Free All Deep Penetrating Oil.
8: Check out Channel 9. Check out
3: Rick Tittle. Check me out, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's uh, been too long since we've had the notorious GAT. That is uh, Grace Terrell. She is the queen and king and prince and everything else. She runs Kansas City Sports Talk. And uh, I was watching the Chiefs last night, and I was just thinking, Gat, it's been too long. Since I've had you on, first of all, how was how was the pandemic for you? I mean, luckily, you got to the other side, uh, but uh, what did what'd you get up to?
22: Honestly, I started my own media network during the entire pandemic and just ran with it and ended up having people move to Kansas City to start working with me, and I just built this whole thing while everyone was trying to figure out what to do. So no time wasted whatsoever.
3: KCPN, tell us a little more.
22: Yeah, we started with a few podcasts, arts, entertainment, sports, of course, and now we're doing video streams. We have video game podcasts, which I'm sure you are very uh, excited about. And, you know, the gaming community is growing like crazy, but we're really focusing right now on getting authentic voices around Kansas City Market that might not always have the platform to, you know, speak their truth on. So storytelling about really interesting Kansas Cityans, as well as covering current events and things going on. So it's been a blast.
3: Very cool. Now, let's get to uh, Arrowhead because if you looked at the schedule a a year ago and you saw New York Giants at Arrowhead, you you wouldn't even watch that game because, uh, unless you were a Chiefs or a Giants fan, because that was going to be a 40 to 12 victory. But it's a different year. And we know the defense is putrid. So let's start off with the news today. The Chiefs have acquired Melvin Ingram from the Steelers for a six-round pick. And I know Ingram only has one sack, but uh, I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you got to be excited. Ingram for a six-round pick? That sounds pretty good
22: we need all the help we can get at this point. And I think after seeing Frank Clark kind of have a big big game last night for the first time in a minute, we realized how much Chris Jones on the inside makes a difference, but Melvin Ingram's going to be perfect. Even though Steelers fans are are not happy about it on the internet, but, you know, when are they ever happy?
3: Right. Well, let's get to the offense because, I mean, last night and, look, Joe Judge and his team is not going to put a lot of fear into you, but, you know, averaging less than five yards of play, we always get these catchphrases like, oh, the league has caught up to Kansas City. That doesn't really explain what's going on. So what is going on?
22: I think right now we have had a very interesting season up to this point, you know, between having the guys play out through the pandemic. We went to -to back-to-back Super Bowls. That was huge. Um, I don't think a lot of people thought Mahomes was going to get this far when he first got to Kansas City. A lot of people thought he was a gimmick. He had a big arm and he was nothing but that and for him to consistently prove back-to-back-to-back years that he belongs by whether he's MVP or whether he's Offensive Player of the Year or whether he's buying out the Royals and building a new women's soccer team. You know, the kid's been busy. He's 26 years old. I don't think the problem is anything in the locker room about toxicity or whatever the national media narrative has been. This team has just really struggled with communication and getting down to the basics of football, and that is moving the ball play after play. They're getting a little too fancy. I don't know what Andy was doing you know the first uh drive of the game he's out there with trick plays and Kelsey being quarterback and that's that's cute when we're in a position to do that kind of thing it's difficult when we've seen week after week fumbles turnovers the most interceptions I think Mahomes has ever thrown it's been a very crazy year of turnovers on offense and we just have to get back to the basics of playing football
3: yeah, and if you think the basics, to me, it all starts with Mahomes to Kelsey, and last night, Kelsey had a fumble. He was a little bit underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you just look, if you're a defensive coordinator, and you think, oh my gosh, who? you know, you got Tyreek Hill and McColl Hardman, how are we going to uh, guard all these guys? Well, what's going on with Travis Kelsey?
22: Travis Kelsey has had a few games that have been a little bit off. I don't know if he's fighting through something or if it's just been he is not performing his best. I don't know if he's exhausted for some reason. There's not a lot that indicates that he should be down bad you know he's played through injuries before and then he's later had to get surgeries in the off season we didn't see that much so for him to be having back-to-back off games and very quiet games I'm not saying I have him on my fantasy team but it's very noticeable you know and you see him having these underwhelming moments and you have to think is there something going on there you know we do have Blake Bell as well he's been pretty solid so if there is an injury situation you know get him taken care of.
3: You know, it's funny because when uh, this is before your time, but the Niners used to have a tie name named John Frank out of Ohio State. And after a few years, he decided to retire because he wanted to be a surgeon and he was afraid he would break his hands. And so here you have Laurent Duvernay Tardif. He opts out last year. He comes back and he wants to be a doctor. or He is one, I guess. And he breaks his mm-hmm. hand. But he comes back and he doesn't even start. What, what's the deal with that guy?
22: Um, I'm not sure because that was just a very confusing, active, uh, member of the roster, but I was like, all right, well, this is exciting. You know, it got some hub going around everybody talking about the situation, but I mean, with the way that Creed Humphrey played last night at center, I mean, I'm just kind of hyped about the current and very active members of the roster right now on our O-line and I'm not usually one to get hyped about the Chiefs O-line. So it's, uh, it's been a very interesting time with a lot of changes in the last couple of years with what we thought was going to be a very solid line with Eric Fisher you know we had Mitch Morris and all that we've seen these rookies and not rookies but we've seen these new players step up and really step in and make a huge difference and it's kind of been incredible so if LBG wants to come back we're more than welcome to have him back but if he's worried about his hands he needs to sit out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, last night was at least one game where the opposing quarterback wasn't going crazy on the secondary so you got to you got to like that. But when you look at corner and you see names like Snead, Fenton, you know, Lammons, Ward, uh, is that, is, is your first round pick next year going to be a corner?
22: Probably. And with the way Dan Sorensen's been playing, I don't know what's happening, you know, on the secondary in general right now. Uh, has been getting some random penalties throughout the season. And I think it's just a little bit about playing a little bit more smart and having a little bit more veteran presence. And it seems like our veteran presence has been a little bit, um, all over the place. There's been a lot of speculations about social media, commentary and everything with the Chiefs players, and it's really been a distraction over the last uh, week or so. And so I really hope that, I mean, I guess the Packers would be a great game to really uh, get focused on, but, you know, we're not going to be able to just get by with pure luck or pure timing. We're going to have to actually be out in front of those flaws that we've seen week to week with our corners and our secondary in general.
3: And then, uh, you know, Willie Gay, he's finally, I mean, this was a guy that was a high pick. Phenomenal. He's, yeah, he's starting to step up.
22: I'm excited about this kid. He was getting a crowd hyped on the sidelines last night. He looked like Mr. Kansas City out there. It was incredible to watch.
3: And then for you, I mean, are the Chiefs going to, I mean, they get the Packers this week. It looks like another loss, but are you think they're going to build on this?
22: They have to at this point, you know, if we're going to shut down the narrative that the Chiefs are over, that everyone's figured out Patrick Mahomes and that our defense is crumbling. And if we're really going to have that narrative out there in national media, I mean, Shannon Sharp is out there mocking Dan Sorensen today and just saying, like, how could you blow that tackle so badly? You know, this is what you do for a living. You know, it was just like we've just been getting rung through completely And it's time for us to make a statement. You know, I said on Twitter that last night's game should be a huge heel turn for the Chiefs. Like, let's show playing angry. We saw the Royals do it in 2015, and it ended up, you know, winning them the World Series. So if we can get that edge back, I think we're going to be okay. It's just really not paying attention to the outside influences and focusing on the core, which is the game of football.
3: Before we let you go, I have to ask you a question about those kids at the K. 88 losses last year, uh, and, you know, w- what is Dayton Moore going to do? Is this going to be another reloading year? I mean, so far the big the headline out of Kansas City is that, you know, Bubba Starling retires. I mean, so what, right, right. what's going on?
22: <laughs> Man, you know, I really had a prediction on your show one year that he was going to be the next thing that season, so yeah. I'm going to have to retract that one.
3: <laughs> you remember really that,
22: happen, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and, you know, we have a really huge chance to make a big leap with these young players that we have. Salvi had a phenomenal year. That was just amazing yeah. how Salvador Perez really took over the narrative, but the Royals have a chance to continue rebuilding. But Dayton Moore has been getting a little bit more scrutiny lately and people are kind of like questioning what's going on. So if he doesn't make progress in the off season this year, I don't know what's going to happen. So that's all on him.
3: Were you okay with the Michael A. Taylor extension?
22: Yes. You know, like, I just I can't get up in arms anymore about these things because it's like it's so out of my um, my Twitter GM status, you know. But uh, anything that makes progress and gets us wins, I'm all here for. And if that helps a little bit, perfect.
3: Hey, anyone in the Midwest you want to uh, help out with your broadcasting? Check out KCPM and uh, get uh, get in touch with the notorious GAT Grace Trail Gracie. Always great having you on, my friend. And uh, let's do it again.
22: Can't wait. Thanks for having
3: me. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We got open lines. Come on back on Sports Violin.
1: That's 800-846-2153. 2080.
11: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: I wouldn't clown you. I'd be so nice. Mike Kaplan coming up in the uh, next segment, by the way. He spells Mike M-Y-Q. Isn't that cute? I think so. All right. uh, As I mentioned, we have November baseball. And that's not the first time we've had it. We know that. But... You know, it didn't look like we did because on Halloween night, Adam Duvall hits a grand slam in the first inning and you thought it was over. But like I said, I remember 1988, game one at Dodger Stadium, Jose Canseco hit an early grand slam, four to nothing. And uh, that ended up being the worst loss in the history of the team. History of the team. Uh, So, yeah, started off great, not so great at the end. But uh, at Enron, Minute Maid Park tonight, We will see uh, the Gregorian calendar have baseball in November. And, of course, we think about Mr. October, so we have to think about Mr. November. The first time we ever had November baseball was because of 9-11. And that pushed the season back, remember. And uh, that uh, last day of the season was supposed to be September 30th, and it ended up being October 7th. And when the Diamondbacks and the Yankees played, Games 5, 6, and 7 were all in November. So from that point on, the November baseball was really a function of two co- uh, coinciding events, which was just the regular season starting a bit longer, and then the other series all lasting long enough to get there. But there have been six World Series now that have stretched into November since 2001. That was Yankees-Phillies in '09. 9 Joe Blanton hit a home run in that World Series. Uh, 2010 with Giants-Rangers. Uh, 2015 with Royals-Mets. The Mets were in the World Series? Yeah, I know. 2016 Cubs-Indians. That was the Rajay Davis game, which they lost. 2017 Astros-Dodgers. Bong, 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 garbage cans. And, of course, uh, this one. So uh, tonight will be the 12th game ever. In November and so we have some November records remember the walk-off home run to even the series uh, against the uh, Diamondbacks that gave Derek Cheater the nickname Mr. November do you remember that Uh, which was pretty funny Uh, so you know you think about game five of 2015 went down to November 1st, and the Mets held a 2-0 lead going into the 9th, and Terry Collins infamously let Matt Harvey keep going, and the, Roy- the Royals tied it up and won in the 12th. But rivaling uh, 2001's Game 7 is Game 7, of course, as I mentioned with the Cubs and uh, the, uh, the Indians at the time. Now, Guardians, I will have you know, Right, And uh, the two runs in the eighth to tie the game came off a home run from Raj Davis from Aroldis Chapman. And then a 17-minute rain delay, which felt like two minutes. And then the top of the 10th, Cleveland put two more on the board, and then Cleveland mounted a serious threat because Raj Davis again drove in a run, but Michael Martinez grounded out to Chris Bryant. And then ended the World Series. But let's take a look at the November records. By the way, November, I don't know if you know this, November is the only month that ends in-vember. The most most games ever played in November, six. It's a tie between Derek Cheater and Jorge Posada. The most November hits, eight, Derek Cheater. The most November home runs, Chase Utley of the Phils hit three, Remember how good Chase Etley was for a while? He was one of the best players in baseball, and now no one talks about him. Uh, most November bases, 14. Chase Utley. Most November extra base hits, 4. Chase Utley. Most November steals, 2. Lorenzo Kane of the Royals and a former Royal, Johnny Damon, with the Yanks. Most November RBI 7, Addison Russell, the former first-round pick of the A's, who was traded uh, to uh, the Cubs to get John Lester. Well, not to get John Lester, to get um, Jeff Samarja and the other guy, Hammond. But um, that's because Addison Russell hit a grand slam in that World Series, you might remember. And uh, he's basically out of baseball when his wife went public more than once about how he beat her. And what was he, 22 years old? Most November runs scored five, Johnny Damon, Chase Utley. Most November walks. Who do you think has the most November walks? Nick Swisher with four. That's that money ball. You know who drafted him out of Ohio State. That's right, the A's. Highest batting average, minimum 10 plate appearances, Johnny Damon, 600. Highest on-base percentage, minimum uh, 10 plate appearances, Johnny Damon, 667. Just a couple more here for fun. It's all for fun. Highest November slugging percentage, 1.273, Chase Utley. Most November innings pitched, 14. Who, Who do you think would have the most November innings pitched? I would say, what, Andy Pettit? Somebody like that. No, Cliff Lee. Cliff Lee with the Rangers. Uh, Indians, too. Most November pitching wins to the big unit out of Livermore, California. Yes, Randy Johnson. Most November strikeouts, 10. Roger Clemens, Tim Lincecum, and Mike Musina. Most November Walks. Seven. Oh, there's Andy Pettit. Lowest November ERA, minimum six innings pitch. Miguel Batista of Arizona with a 0.00, Mr. Blutarski. And then the easiest record to tie tonight, most November saves. The record is one. Ryan Madsen with the Royals, Mike Montgomery with the Cubs, Mariano Rivera with the Yankees, and B. Weezy. with, that's right, Brian Wilson with the Giants. So who's really Mr. November? It's Chase Utley. I mean, you could give a nod to Johnny Damon, but right now Mr. November is Chase Utley. unless an than Astro or Brave barges into the conversation. But, uh, yeah, November baseball is just something that uh, we got to get used to right now. But back to the Braves and their uh, bullpen. The Braves had forced the Andros uh, the Astros to strand 32 runners in 4 games and then it caught up in game 5 and what happened was the bullpen finally broke. And Brian Snicker the Braves manager said I can't say enough about our bullpen. My gosh, I'm going to talk owner. I'm going to talk to ownership and send them all to Hawaii for a week when we're done. Well, the bullpen got spotted a 4 nothing lead on that grand slam, and then the Astros started chipping away. And Alex Bregman, who was dropped to 7th, RBI double, first chance with runners in scoring position, Maldonado, sack fly, and then Jesse Chavez. It's funny, these guys who are still pitching, like Kendall Graveman, closing out the game for the Astros. He's got a beard now. This was a guy who was acquired in the Josh Donaldson trade to Toronto, and uh, he... When he was with Toronto, he was one of those guys that started in A-ball, low A, and then made the bigs the same year. And I sat down with Kendall Grayman at a fan fest one time with the A's, and I talked about that meteoric rise going through like five levels of the, or four levels in the minors in one year. And then he was the guy who said, well, I pitched in a hot city and then a cold city, so my arm hurts. I was like, what? And then Jesse Chavez, who had bounced around, another guy who I sat down with at FanFest and had a long conversation with him on the air on the A's flagship at the time. Jesse Chavez uh, is a real good guy. And the funny thing was, I was look, I, he always seemed so little to me. He was 6'2". He was looking at me right back now. But anyway, these guys are still going. They're still going. And that's why you want to, <laughs> as Brent Musburger said, well, look at her. Dad, go in the backyard with Sonny Boy and start throwing that football around. Start pitching. Or like Jesse Roscoe style, start pitching with your left hand. <laughs> start doing that. And then maybe the career will uh, will take flight. But, uh, yeah. I'll say this once, I'll say it again. Your kid ain't going pro, okay? Mine is, Rick. We'll show you. Hey, I hope you proved me wrong. But just, just let him have fun. Let him be a kid. Your kid is not going to be a professional athlete. All right. On that happy note, Mike Kaplan will join us on the other side. Come on back.
11: is the leading symptom of COVID and the flu, and the only way to reliably detect fever is with an accurate thermometer. Be vigilant and be accurate with the Exergen Temporal Scanner, proven in more than 100 clinical studies. Don't rely on non-contact thermometers. They are proven to be inaccurate and will not reliably detect a fever that might mean COVID. Be sure to seek medical advice at the first sign of fever. Learn more at exergen.com.
1: Eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero. 1760 that's eight hundred three zero six seventeen sixty. 306 1760
11: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
3: Wow, that is something else, I'll tell you that. Uh, very good. Uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. You know we love the comedians when they come into town at the uh, Punchline or uh, Cobs. We get them in studio, and when they're not in town, we like getting them on the horn. And our friends over there at uh, Raleigh Goodnights, they're going to be having on uh, Friday two shows with our guest, Mike Kaplan, and he'll have two shows on Saturday as well. Go to goodnightscomedy.com to get your tickets. And, uh, Mike, welcome to the show. I feel like I've had every single New York comedian uh, in studio with me over the last few years, and, and somehow you've managed to avoid me, so I, I've, I've finally trapped you. <laughs>
25: Uh, well, thank you for having me. I, I mean, thankfully, you haven't physically trapped me, only mentally from afar.
3: Yes, and um, I just think about the, uh, all the podcasts I listen to. People always talk about you, whether it's Joe List, Mark Norman, Chris D., Sam Marill, whatever. All these guys have been in here, but uh, they're, they're always talking about Mike Kaplan, MYQ Kaplan.
25: Oh, that's That's so nice of you to say. I mean, it's so nice of you to be a conduit for the nice things that uh, I just want to say. Those guys are all so funny, such uh, nice. uh, I guess I don't know what to say. Yeah, they're nice people. I'll say they're nice people, and uh, they're they're great comedians. And it's uh, it's really that's very it's an honor uh, to be to be spoken about at all. They say. No news is uh, good news, no publicity is bad publicity, that's the one. But uh, you know what's even better than not bad publicity is
26: good publicity. So
25: thank you for publicizing my friends saying nice things about me. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I didn't even know that I was supposed to come do your show before. I, I'm, I'm glad that you got to every other New York comedian first before me. So I am uh, the headliner, I guess, uh, you, if you like those guys. Uh, then since I'm here later, I must be better.
3: (laughs) Yes, so you can just go with the best for last. Let's just do that, Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I can bring this up because you are a a success, but I was watching you on that uh, video where you go on the Persian rug, and there's like a couple of instruments behind you. And as Mark Norman always ends his set with, hey, everybody, I'm Kevin Hart. And you said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if uh, people think he's really Kevin Hart? And then the audience was just dead. (laughs)
25: <laughs> yeah, I I love everything about what you're saying. First, I appreciate that you, you set it up by saying, like, you are successful. Right. You are a good comedian. <laughs> good comedians like you. You say things that are funny. And within that context, you said a thing that I believe... Uh, uh, if, I, if I understand you correctly, you think what I said made sense and is funny and was a good thing to say, and then the audience not having all the context, perhaps, of who Mark Normand is, who Kevin Hart is, what comedy even is. I, comedians <laughs> know a lot more about what comedy is than audiences So, But yes, I I agree with you, and I cannot deny that in that video, that line did not make everyone laugh. Like, I would have wished it did, but I'm glad that now it uh, has opened the door to us having this conversation now.
3: (laughs) Well, every comedian, no matter how big, as you say, is going to eat a bag of cheese now and then. And I think the thing that's that's most hilarious, Mike, is that you could do a 7 o'clock show, with something that kills, and then the 9 o'clock show is like, eh. You're like, this is the same stuff. Like, what? what is the the, the vagaries of comedy like that?
26: Uh,
25: what a great question. You seem to know a lot about comedy. Uh, I, I also, I've never heard the expression eat a bag of cheese, which I, as a plant based eater, will not. That's why I actually do a lot better than most comedians, is because they sometimes will eat a bag of cheese, but I'm like, no cheese.
3: <laughs> well, thank by the you. way, I stole that ah. from Joe List.
25: <laughs> ah well, I gotta I gotta talk to old old Joe, but um, <laughs> old cup of Joe. But uh, I think I actually had an experience a few months ago where I was uh, on tour. Uh, the show that I'm doing now is uh, like about my relationship uh, with my girlfriend. She uh, like writes jokes that uh, are a part of the show. She helps me shape it. She watches. She uh, like helps me review afterwards. Like. The new things that I said that were great, the old things that I might have said a different way. That she's like, I like this. If and so we're like a nice team together. And I did, I did two shows. It was a Friday in uh, Kansas City. Uh, Thursday was great. Friday early was great friday late show was great for the other comedians the opening acts were like this is our favorite audience of the weekend i went out and i i like riffed around a little bit and didn't uh you know i might i might have opened with uh so what if people really thought mark normand was kevin hart and they're like we don't know who any of those people are and why are you talking about them <laughs> uh but whatever it was i was having fun for a moment and then i was like oh they're not having fun the same way i am and uh and then by, and the show went fine but after the show, I, w- I went to my girlfriend. I said, Renee, isn't that weird? Like, every the audience was great for those other guys. But for me, doing the same thing that I always do, they just didn't seem to respond. And she was like, well, uh, you know, I hope I sit-, sit down for a moment, baby. I love you so much. And also, uh, you like – sometimes she helped me realize that sometimes when we think we're doing the exact same thing, we might not be. Like, I might have been – like, I – if because of the audience not responding to one riff, I might have been like, "Oh, I now think that this audience doesn't like riffs or doesn't like certain things," and then it might get me into my head, and I start might not even looking. Like she was like, "You sort of mostly perform to the right side of the audience instead of the entire audience." And so, like, <laughs> so all the people on the left were like, "Hey, where's he going?" And so it. I feel like the answer to your question is, number one, I don't know. So that's a lot of talking to say, I don't know why some audiences or some individuals, like, I guess, why do some, you know, if somebody likes eggplant, then they might like the best eggplant dish in the world. But if you don't like eggplant, even like the best chef in the world might not be able to make you an eggplant dish that you want. And so I guess... I'm not saying that my comedy is the equivalent of eggplant, and now I'm thinking about eggplant emojis, and I should have chosen a different food. But uh, that, oh, my alarm just went off, which is time to talk to you. But uh, I'm glad that I'm doing it. Yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is, great question uh the well here 's what people should do uh, if you 're in Raleigh or can get to Raleigh by this Friday or Saturday, obviously come out to the earliest the early show on Friday and then come out to all the other shows just to be like a student of like wow i love I love everything, but some people let 's see how do people love different things so uh yeah i I, th- I think I've answered your question in a way I think I've answered your unanswerable question, Good question.
3: I, and you can tell. Which of us has the master's degree in linguistics from B <laughs> fr- from BU? Um, also, you know it's funny when I I saw you went undergrad at Brandeis, and it just reminds me of that line from Annie Hall where he's uh, Willie Allen's talking to Carol Kane, and he basically says, "Oh, if you're a Jewish Jewish girl, you had to go to Brandeis." I mean, that's just that's the mm. one that's the one thing that always sticks with me. But uh, you know, Waltham, Mass. What was Brandeis like as an undergrad?
25: Uh, thank you for asking. Thank you for doing all of this research. You are good at your job. You. I mean, I, I, just like you said in the movie, I went to—I had to go to Brandeis because I am a Jewish girl, <laughs> and I—I uh, I loved. I'd been to Boston once before in my life uh, as like a teenager, uh, a trip from my summer camp, and so I had just this. I'd been to like two places in Boston, like Harvard Square, and there was like this. Mall called The Garage that had like a Newbery Comics, you know, record store in it and like henna tattoos and like all, you know, a, a bunch of hippie stuff. That I'm like, yeah, I, I, the way that I just said it, you might think, like, I don't like a bunch of hippie I, I love a bunch of hippie stuff. I'm like, ooh, a bunch of hippie stuff. You know, like, ooh, stones that say the word love on them. That I'm like, maybe I'll get one of these. And my friend's like, I got stones in my backyard. We can draw the word love on it. I'm like, oh, great. I won't pay $8 for this stone. But, uh, so I remember when I was, like, applying to colleges, uh, Brandeis was one that I applied to just uh, – I felt, you know, like the, there was a common application, just like they, it sends it to
26: lots of places.
25: Mm. And, uh, and Brandeis was the place that gave me the most scholarship money, so that was the main reason that I went there. But I was, like, pleased to return to Boston. I'm like, oh, like I grew up in New Jersey in the New York area, you know, like just sort of outside New York City. And so I'd only been to Boston once, but it was I had such a, a powerful, meaningful memory experience with it. I was like, yeah, I'm happy to. So many things in my life have happened by accident. I'm like, well, I'll go there because that's where I won't have to pay a lot of money to get an education. And so that, and so now I live in Boston. And that, if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't have started doing comedy. At all, because I didn't even know it was a thing that you could do until I got there and saw my first comedian at Brandeis, uh, who was a guy named DJ Hazard, who's wonderful, so hilarious. And I was like, I didn't know that this art form really even existed outside of famous people doing it. So I saw my first real live comedy show as an adult at Brandeis. As a kid, my parents, we were in the Catskills, had seen Henny Youngman, and I don't remember anything that he said or did, but, uh, but I saw him. And uh, I'm sure he said take my wife,
3: please at some point.
25: Oh, I, I, that's a great spoiler alert. I did also get, uh, he had a book that was called take my jokes, please. Mm. That he signed for me and that I don't know where it is anymore, but my mom (laughs) bought me a new copy of it recently. So just if everyone knows, I think it's cool if I just sign his name in and be like, look, he did this once, So (laughs) this is, uh, I think all above board, but yeah, Brandeis, uh, I made some, some really nice friends there. I, I learned, I studied philosophy, which I really, I mean, I love, I love, uh, I didn't know that that was really, a, I'd heard of it, you know, you're like, oh, a philosophy, old people asking why, is there more to it than that, <laughs> how can I take eight classes in this, but yeah, Brandeis was great, it was fun to go into Boston on the weekends, uh, and uh, yeah, Waltham, and I guess the, the thing, the main thing that I did in Waltham, I saw movies, and there was a bowling alley called the Wallex, right on the intersection of uh, where Waltham met, Lex- met Lexington, and uh, it was uh, not big ball bowling, which, you know, it's not bowling, you know, do you, have you ever been candle pin bowling, I think they call it? It's, uh, like, the ball is, you hold it in your hand like a bocce ball, and the pins are all thinner, and mm. you just, you, and it, you get three throws, because it's harder, to, it's almost impossible to knock all the pins down wow. in two throws. Anyway, so that's what my college experience was like, learning about a different kind of bowling. <laughs>
3: Last question for you. I just got a couple minutes, but I remember when I was in college and somebody uh, said, uh, oh, the, you know, the pregnant lady is so beautiful. And I said, as a dumb 19-year-old, I said, she's not beautiful. She's 300 pounds. And mm. for the rest of my life, I get, do you really think pregnant women are ugly? Like, look, I was a dumb kid. They're, they're beautiful, blah, blah. And it just it stuck with people. I didn't mean anything bad, but it stuck with people. So for you saying you hate kids, you don't want kids – How much does that stick with you? People say, "Like, are you still anti-kid, Mike?"
25: Oh, thank you for asking. First, uh, people, of course, can be beautiful at any size, any poundage. Uh, There's even more beauty there—three hundred pounds of beauty, Uh, even if you do, if you are about to give birth to a bowling ball. Um, I also—I you've done a ton of wonderful research. I truly have never said I hate kids. I have said. I do not want kids, Mm -hmm. let me finish, to exist at all, but that part, the the part that's true is that I, my girlfriend and I do not plan to have children, Uh, but the part that's not true is that I wish that all kids wouldn't exist. That's the the part of the joke that I call, and this might be a technical term, the punchline. Sometimes punchlines are true, uh, and in this case... Uh, I also do go on to say, like if you have kids and you want kids, that's what I want for you i want I want all the children in the world to be had by people who want kids. I want them to be raised by people who love them i in fact uh my girlfriend has uh little siblings, her mom has five children between the ages of eight and fifteen, and when we visit them uh and when we talk to them on Skype and the phone like i I love them i i so let let me set the record straight here for all time this is now the definitive precedent that i'll set i love kids and one of the reasons one of the ways that loving kids for me manifests, is in not having them to raise myself Uh, because yeah i think if you want them have them and if you don't want them uh I, it's, uh, I, I
20: lost it. I, right. I guess, no, I I, as as
3: you would know as a Brandeis guy, it's Poetic License, and it was you were getting to a punchline. And we're out of time. We've been speaking with Mike <laughs> Kaplan, MYQ, Mike Kaplan, goodnightscomedy.com for tickets down there in Raleigh. Two shows on uh, Friday, two shows on Saturday. And, uh, Mike, you come out to San Francisco, come on in studio and sign the wall with all your peeps.
26: Oh, I love San Francisco. Hope to get
25: back there soon. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And there will be many more punchlines this weekend. And I'll, maybe I'll hope to get back out there to the punchline.
3: Awesome stuff. Mike Kaplan, everybody. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
16: have a wonderful vacation on a cruise ship without putting yourself in a severe risk of getting sick make your cruise vacation plans now call and let one of viva voyages cruise experts help you find the safest cruise package at the lowest rates of the year
1: 800-585-4760 800-585-4760 800-585-4760, That's 800-585-4760.
25: yeah we're not gonna fall for a banana in the tailpipe you're not gonna fall for the banana in the tailpipe (laughs) it should be more natural
4: brother should flow out like this look man i ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe
11: Tittle ate two hundred chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
3: Back to Fat Boy. You know that it really hurts my feelings. I have to say, and uh, I am going to cry through the whole news break. Actually, this is what we have going on. We have a, a news break coming up. It's rather on the conservative side. It has nothing to do with us. It's always funny when someone says, "How can you have a newscast that where your reporter, my my reporter, I don't even know from where that thing originates." So. I mean, yeah, we are airing it. I'm not going to act like we're not, but talk to my boss. I got no idea where that thing comes from. But anyway, we have another hour of sports talk, and we have open lines. We have a director, Jesse P. Pollock, coming up. his a new movie called The Acid King. But other than that, it's all open lines, and we'll get you set for maybe a champion in baseball tonight. I'm Rick Tuttle. We'll take a quick hard break. Come on back.
17: USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Election security is the top priority today as voters head to the polls in more than 30 states. Cybersecurity experts have created a special situational awareness room to monitor elections and share real-time information with officials. President Joe Biden is delivering remarks at an event at the United Nations Climate Change Conference, focusing on accelerating net-zero emissions. The president says he will keep investing money in clean
9: energy. Innovation is the key to unlocking our future. That's why the United States is working to quadruple funding for clean energy research and development over the next four years.
17: Nearly 100 countries have agreed to cut their methane greenhouse gas emissions by 30% this decade. China, not one of them. This is USA Radio News.
19: It's a my pillow for the rest of your body. The my pillow mattress topper. You will sleep well. Check it out mypillow.com promo code USA or call 1-800-951-8175. Don't forget using my promo code USA will save you a bunch of money on anything on the my pillow website. Christmas is coming. Get ready. mypillow.com promo code USA 1-800-951-8175. American
17: Airlines is continuing to scrap flights across the country. Close to 200 American Airlines flights have been canceled today, according to the tracking site FlightAware. The airline's citing rough weather and staffing issues that bled over into Monday, which now is bleeding over into Tuesday. The cancellations affecting nearly 2,000 flights nationwide over the weekend. Dennis Teijer is with Allied Pilot Association. He tells Fox News the messaging coming out of American could be a lot
8: better. Sure weather happens, but after it happens, the sign of a strong airline is how well you recover. And today, management is showing
6: that they just don't have the fundamentals down.
17: Worth noting weather not affecting flights from other airlines across the country. The Butterball Turkey Talk line is now open experts are back for a 40th year to help many get their thanksgiving dinner on the table this is usa radio news
20: lights
5: out everybody matt dullen united states marshal the first man they look for and the last they want to meet pleasant dreams Mm -hmm.
19: The greatest radio shows of all time, USA Classic Radio Theater. On these radio stations or on demand by searching USA Classic Radio Theater. USA Classic Radio Theater.
17: Baseball fans are making their predictions for tonight. The Atlanta Braves could clinch their first World Series title since 1995 if they beat the Astros. Houston kept their chances alive after taking Game 5 on Sunday. They're back at home for Game 6. But these Atlanta Braves fans tell Fox News they're ready for Atlanta to claim the World Series championship.
19: This is amazing. We didn't think we were going to make it coming through this year. Battling the B500, we lost Acuna, but now it's like miracles are happening, and we're leading in the World Series.
17: It's pretty exciting. It's a close game, but yeah, no, there's a lot of good energy, and they're, they're going really well. So, The governor of New Hampshire is arresting people who don't agree with him.
21: New Hampshire's GOP governor ordered an army of 80 state troopers to arrest protesters that peacefully turned their back to the governor during an executive council meeting, including questions given on health outcomes for those forced to be vaxxed and those questioning the election fraud in the states.
6: He wanted to talk to me, and he said, oh yeah, you're under arrest. I said, I'm under arrest? For what? He said, disorderly conduct. I said, okay, Well, once he cuffed me up, That's when I said, we're being arrested.
21: The governor secretly surrounded the building with state troopers and arrested all dissenting voices. From the USA Radio News, West Texas Bureau, I'm Brad Bernards.
17: For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg.
10: Come on, you watch the news. Be prepared to pay more taxes. Then if you owe back taxes or haven't filed in a few years, get ready. In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than $1,000. If you owe the IRS $5,000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation.
1: Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's 800-732-9635.
22: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
2: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
3: Thank you so much. Welcome back to the program. We still have another couple hours to go. Uh, Just getting word that uh, Henry Ruggs of the Raiders, who has been really stepping up and being the first-round pick that uh, the Raiders had hoped he'd be, has now been charged with DUI in a fatal car accident in Las Vegas. And uh, this happened uh, early this morning. It says uh, wide receiver Henry Ruggs was involved in a serious car accident earlier this morning. Ruggs' condition is currently unknown, but photos from instruments show significant damage to two vehicles. And uh, someone died. I don't know if it was in his car or the other car. But uh, police said showing signs of impairment and will be charged. Someone else said that Ruggs lost his best friend in the car accident. So I guess it was in his car. <clears throat> so this is uh, it's horrifying news. Um, but uh, yeah, the Raiders are in first place and uh, these in uh, the car that, that he was in looks like uh, you know a uh, I don't know if it's a Lambo something like that, Ferrari, but uh, yeah, this is really, really bad news. All right. Let's get to the uh, third hour here. Coming up next, we're going to have director Jesse P. Pollock, the new documentary, The Acid King. Looking forward to talking about that. Also, we'll get into the open lines. World Series game six tonight, of course, Atlanta can win it. They could have won it in game five. Got off to a grand slam of a start, 4 to nothing from uh, Adam Duvall, but uh, didn't end up working out. And the more you start to lose, the more you feel the momentum going to the other team. So... What do you want to do? Get off to a good start, like they did in Game 5, but that Houston offense is so crazy potent, and they're going to be at home. Let's see uh, what can happen there. Lines are available 1-800-878-PLAY. We're on the TuneIn app, the iHeartRadio app, the Stitcher app, Twitch.tv as well, CRN Digital, plus two, the cable radio network channel tune 35 million homes. we got another hour together. Come on back.
15: Sheila, we need to set up Johnson's quarterly review.
2: Janowski Investments keeps portfolios profitable, but a double client base calls for double the advisors. Hello. Hi, Janet. I'm so sorry. Pulling up your portfolio right now. Give me a sec. Indeed can help them hire the people they need. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. When you sponsor a job, you immediately get your short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Pick it up, guys. Pick it up. At Bow's Builders, demand is through the roof. To keep up, his business needs a stronger foundation.
0: Just one sec. Bao's Builders, this is Bow. This weekend? Yeah, we can do it.
2: Indeed can help him hire the people he needs.
0: I need Indeed.
2: Indeed you do. When you sponsor a job, you immediately get your short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
1: That's 855-325-1780. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? 1759 800 449 Again, that's eight hundred four four nine seventeen fifty nine 449
6: 1759 Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle, is it? He's so handsome. He's a genius.
3: Welcome back to the program, Rick Tittle, with you, Coast to Coast, Around the Globe on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show filmmaker Jesse P. Pollock. He has directed a new documentary entitled The Acid King. This will be available on demand on November 9th from Wild Eye Releasing. Jesse, welcome to the show. And, and I, you know, you hear Acid King and you think, ah, oh, Jim Morrison. Like, no, that's the Lizard King. Like, Acid King, uh, Timothy Leary. Like, no, this is about a guy named Ricky Casso. Tell us more.
26: Well, uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, Ricky Casso was a uh, 17-year-old. Homeless dope dealer. So you weren't too far off with the whole Timothy Leary Jim Morrison connection <laughs> there. But um, he grew up in uh, suburban Northport, Long Island, uh, and in 1984 made worldwide headlines by uh, murdering a friend of his over a few stolen bags of PCP. And as soon as the tabloid media got a hold of this story, It immediately got twisted into a tale of uh, satanic sacrifice and uh, heavy metal and all this stuff, and and it really kicked off the so-called satanic panic in America at the time.
3: Yeah, I was uh, that summer. I was just finishing my freshman year in in college, and you know, I'm a huge fan of Black Sabbath. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, you know, we always heard about the Helter Skelter and playing albums backwards and all this. But what was this new '80s version of the satanic panic?
26: Well, the funny thing about it is it wasn't too far removed from that. Uh, Ricky Casso, while now he's kind of become this sort of thrash metal anti-hero, was listening to a lot of the same things back in the uh, the early 80s. He was very much into Black Sabbath. He was into The Grateful Dead and The Who. Um, He, like a lot of other kids, uh, was playing his Led Zeppelin records backwards, looking for satanic messages and all that. But I guess what set him apart from a lot of the other uh, curious teenagers doing the same thing at the same time was uh, he came from a very abusive household. He was thrown out of his house by his father when he was either only 12 or 13 years old, depending on who you ask. But um, either way, he spent the last four or five years of his life literally living in the woods like a feral child. And uh, to support himself during this time, he was. Selling and ingesting um, high quantities of hallucinogens, which is where the Acid King nickname came from. He started selling pot, upgraded to LSD, but then by the time the murder happened, he was probably the chief supplier of angel dust in the Northport area out on Suffolk County in Long Island. And, uh, you know, while he was interested in Satan on a superficial level, like I said, playing records backwards, looking for spooky messages, and he read the Satanic Bible a few times. Once this became a national press story, um, that had all gotten twisted into, you know, Ricky Casso was the supposed leader of a Satanic cult, and that when he murdered his friend Gary Lowers, there were supposedly uh, anywhere from, depending on which account you heard, anywhere from 14 to 100 other teenagers there, Um, You know, surrounding a roaring bonfire, and they were all wearing robes and chanting. And while that all sounds kind of ridiculous on the surface, at the time, once the New York Daily News and the National Enquirer and the Post and even the New York Times picked this story up, it it really scared a lot of people. And what really helped drive this story home uh, is the infamous photograph of him while he's being led to his arraignment where uh, he's wearing this ACDC t-shirt and sneering at the camera. And while ACDC might not seem too spooky nowadays, I mean, you can go get an ACDC onesie for your newborn baby at Walmart for crying out loud. (laughs) But back then, you know, in 1984, for a lot of people, it became vindication of, see, we told you that rock music was devil music. Look at that kid on the front cover of the newspaper. He sacrificed a friend to Satan in front of... A hundred chanting cult members, we told you. And it it really set off this firestorm that led to things like the Parents Music Resource Center, where, you know, you had Dee Snider and John Denver and Frank Zappa defending their lyrics to, you know, several prominent American politicians. Um, You had the whole Judas Priest fiasco. uh, Not too long after that, Ozzy Osbourne was dragged into it as well with Suicide Solution. And then as you got into the 90s, it went into the craziness of the McMartin preschool trial. So th- this incident, while it might not be a household name, Ricky Catho, or the supposed Knights of the Black Circle cult and all that, it definitely helped kick off that firestorm that, you know, lasted all the way through the 90s. And we're kind of seeing a little bit of a resurgence of today, honestly.
3: Who was the first person to light the match for that storm, though? Who was the first person to say this wasn't a drug deal or a theft gone bad, that that this was satanic somehow?
26: That all came from a press release that was released by the Suffolk County Police Department. And while it would be very easy to just say, oh, well, you know, look at these idiot cops. They made this stuff up. I mean, you can see where they got the germ of it. Um, When Castle was arrested on July 5th, 1984, for the murder, after um, a tip had been called in, that he had had murdered his friend Gary Lowers and was taking people to see the body up in the woods of Northport, um, he confessed immediately and said, oh, yeah, well, you know, I killed him. He had been stealing from me. But in the middle of this confession... He did say to them, like, oh, well, you know, I was high at the time, and I remember I I stood over his body and started saying a whole bunch of satanic things, but I was high, and I don't remember what they were. And then one of his accomplices, Jimmy Troiano, uh, had also told the police, yeah, while Ricky was, uh, was stabbing Gary, he was saying to Gary, say, I love you, Satan. Say, I love you, Satan. Now, of course, you know, this, these are kids that are high out of their minds on angel dust that are Blasting Black Sabbath in the woods, you know it, it was it was literally four kids, Ricky and Gary included, you know, just having like a stoner campfire. But you know the cops took that confession as, oh my God, you know, we finally co- we finally caught one, we caught one of these cult kids. So they released this this almost farciful um, uh, press release, you know, stating that you know Ricky Casso, he's self identified Satanist. And he sacrificed Gary Lowers to the devil while um, making recitations to Satan, et cetera, et cetera. So that was the snowball that eventually grew and grew and grew as it went down the media mountain. So uh, you know, so to speak, until eventually it became that you know. Comically crazy story that I I mentioned earlier about, oh no, it was a hundred kids there and they were Mm. wearing robes and chanting and there was a gigantic bonfire. But it all really started with that press release.
3: We just have about a minute. Can you set the scene for that area of Long Island? Is it kind of the suburbs like Massapequa with middle class or is this more like the Hamptons?
26: Oh, it's definitely more middle class, especially back then. Northport's a little more ritzy now, but in the early 80s, it was it was a mixture of working class and middle class. These were uh, crab fishermen, lobster people, the, the, the people that ran the hardware store up to the teachers. It was very prototypical, normal suburban America. It just happened to have a nice harbor at, at, at the feet of Main Street. But it, a story like this could have happened anywhere.
3: Everybody make sure to check out the documentary, The Acid King, Witness the Birth of America's Satanic Panic. It'll be available on demand November 9th from Wild Eye releasing. We've been speaking with the director, Jesse P. Pollock. Jesse, congratulations on the film and thanks for talking about it with us.
26: Thank you so much for having me on.
3: All right, we'll take a quick break. Open lines the rest of the way at 1-800-878-7529.
1: That's 800-410-4771.
4: I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. If you've had a revision or removal surgery of a hernia mesh implant after 2008, pay close attention to this message. Hernia mesh manufacturers have recalled some of the mesh material that may have been used in your surgery due to high failure rate. The FDA has even blamed the recalled mesh material for some of the worst of the health issues reported by doctors and patients. If you've had two or more hernia surgeries for the same issue and you're having severe complications, call the legal helpline now. You could receive a free cash award and have your medical expenses covered. And there's no upfront cost to you. They only get paid if you win. So please call
1: now. 800-817-2968. 817 2968 800-817-2968, that's 800-817-2968.
10: I'm sorry, it's, a, it's the pleats.
21: It's, a, it's actually an optical illusion, it's the pattern on the pants, they,
17: it's not fla- flattering in the, the crotchal region. I'm actually taking them back right now, taking them back to the, the pants store.
11: Tittle is a majestic stallion.
3: Open lines the rest of the way. 1-800-878-PLAY. By the way, Dom, do you still do... uh, Oh, wait, he's on the phone. I got to give it up to uh, Gat, though, at uh, KCP Network. She uh, already has a minute and a half clip of our conversation that has the dialogue, too. I guess that's software that does that. But do you do still do you still do stuff with the website like with uh, Post and stuff? I'm gonna send you a new picture because the one for me that says Rick Tittle, that thing's horrifying. So I'm gonna can I send you a new one that you could replace that with? Okay, I'm so vain. Uh, let's go to Charlie, who's in New York City. Charlie, how about that, Henry Ruggs, Huh?
27: Unbelievable, Rick. I was gonna call you and talk about how the Raiders are, in a de- you know, have some, you know, they're in decent shape. There, uh, I was going to ask about whether they should trade for someone, you know, like Kelsey from the Eagles, or it looks like they should be trading for a wide receiver. Because, uh... well, so what, will he be suspended for the rest of the year?
3: I I don't know. He might go to jail, dude. Uh, I mean, what? Well,
27: I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, for certain, he he may be going to jail. <laughs> but it, yeah, let's let's jump ahead. Well, you think he'll be going to jail? Let's start let's start from there.
3: Well, I mean, he—if he was in a vehicular homicide, uh, a D-U-A, DUI, a, yeah, DUI with someone dying, I, the the least he can get is is manslaughter, and that still is going to come with a uh, with with a jail with jail time. So I I, I have yeah, no absolutely. idea. The, the Raiders have not even put out a statement yet on this.
27: I on um, so uh, well. Uh, yeah. Like I said, just as I was calling you, I read it, and I'm like, well, I'd, I wanted to talk about the Raiders acquiring some, you know, maybe uh, the cornerback the from Miami for for a second rounder. But now this just, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I guess this is a, a pointless phone call because I'm, I'm sort of left speechless because I was starting to like Rugs. He was starting to show some potential, and uh, he was looking. He was looking, you know, making some nice plays this year, and I, I don't, I don't know what to add. Disregard this phone call, Rick. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll call you. I'll, I'll disregard that I called. Let's let's erase it from the replay. Replay the show. Just disregard it because I, I'm speechless. Because I was going to call about something else, but like I don't, I, I just same old Raiders. I mean, some something has to come along that just throws a monkey wrench into things. Anyway, Rick, that's all I got, buddy. All right, hey, thanks
3: for the call, Charlie. And uh, does that suck? Yeah, yeah, it sucks. Uh, it mostly sucks for the guy who got killed. Obviously, the rest of it, it's just a game. It's just a job, right? Somebody died, and if you were driving around uh, drunk, or it could be drugs, you know, who DUI does not have to be alcohol. But what Charlie was saying was that, you know, the Raiders finally got to a point where they were in first place. And Ruggs, who was looking, I don't want to say like a bust, but he looked like a guy who was kind of a non-factor, was really starting to step up. By the way, it happened this morning at 3.40 a.m. Excuse me, 3.40 a.m. So I would call that last night, but yeah, technically this morning. One of the things that we always heard of was when you get a team in Vegas, two things were going to happen for professional athletes. Number one was they're going to start betting on their own team. And number two is they're going to party way too hard. Now those are both stupid statements because you can party way too hard wherever you are in the entire world. And you also uh, can make a bet and be on the take anywhere anywhere in the world. But uh you remember Javon Walker when he was in Vegas, when he was with the Raiders, he got rolled up into a sidewalk. He was knocked out cold, thrown out of a car into the sidewalk. All his jewelry had been stolen. It was like $20,000 in jewelry. He was lucky that's all that happened to him. He was. He was, but I'm sure somebody will say, "Well, this is this is Vegas here." Uh, And look, you could say if he was in Green Bay, he wouldn't be coming home at 3.40 a.m. You can still stay out late in Green Bay. It's just that there's more opportunity in Vegas. But this is, to me, this is not a Vegas thing, although somebody will make it. This is just a being irresponsible thing. But the, the, and I'm getting multiple reports now because the fire department personnel, this is from CBS, said, the deceased victim was inside the car that was not being driven by Rugs. Now, we get another report that it was his best friend. So maybe was he racing his best friend? Ruggs was transported to University Medical Center, non-life-threatening injuries. The person who died was in a RAV4, a Toyota. Ruggs was driving a Corvette. All right, it looked like a sports car. It's hard to tell because it was all mashed. But it says preliminary investigation revealed that the front of the Corvette collided with the rear of the Toyota, and the collision took place near the uh, South Rainbow Boulevard and South Spring Valley Parkway. I say this because KSHP Vegas is getting my show, and my listeners down there would probably know where that is. But yeah, 12th overall pick. You think about the guys, the first wide receiver selected probably the best one so far as Jefferson of the Vikes who they traded Stephon Diggs and used that pick from the Bills to take Jefferson. That was a very rare win-win trade in the NFL. And you think about Jerry Judy, you think about CeeDee Lamb and Ruggs didn't look like he was going to be the best guy. I mean, he looked like by far the worst guy. Even though he was 12th overall. But this season, 24 catches, almost 500 yards, and two touchdowns, that's good. You know, that that is good. And uh, in Alabama, you know, he was a huge star, as we know, but we're just waiting to see what the announcement is going to be uh, for the Raiders at this point. one 800 play Aaron Rodgers is making the news again today because he is going to be putting part of his salary into Bitcoin and he says to make Bitcoin more accessible he's going to be giving out a total of one million dollars in Bitcoin but you have to follow and join Cash App and therein lies why he's doing this he's the official spokesman of Cash App so I don't know if that's actually his cash or whatever, but he did a video. he was dressed as John Wick for Halloween and put like little blood stains on him and had fake uh, is that fake facial hair? I guess it's real facial hair, but anyway, uh, Rogers this year is making uh, 22 million his four-year extension, 98 million guaranteed 134 million. So far in his career, Rogers has made 256 million dollars. He's made over a quarter billion dollars. We also knew that he said, I'm not playing for the Packers this year, <clears throat> and he didn't do it any of the offseason workouts. And he said, I'm going to retire. I give full credit to the Packers for smoothing things over enough to get him there. What has he done so far this year? Seven game win streak, 17 touchdown passes, one interception. Look at how often a ball bounces off a guy's hands. Or look at the Kyler Murray play. The wide receiver is not even turning around. That happens, AJ Green. But we know that Tom Brady gave a Bitcoin to this guy Byron Kennedy to get his own football back, and uh, we know that uh, Saquon Barkley of the Giants said, "Anybody who wants endorsement deals from me, I got to be paid in Bitcoin now." And we'll see how it goes. Bitcoin has. Gone up and down, it's worth 30000 No, it's worth 60000 No, it's worth, wait, 20000 So, yeah. Now, one more NFL note before I let you go to the break here. As the Browns are not really living up to expectations like they thought, but Odell Beckham Jr. certainly is not living up to expectations. Remember he said the Giants sent me here to die? Oh, thanks, everyone said in Cleveland. But he's just always hurt, and the production's not there. But here's the thing. Odell Beckham Sr. posted a video on Instagram yesterday, and he highlighted how Baker Mayfield never finds his son on certain routes. And (laughs) listen, I know Odell Beckham Sr. has defended his son uh, a lot. And he criticized John Mara for trading him to the Browns and I mean, it all came the same day that Kevin Stefanski was asked, head coach, about Beckham's struggles. He had one catch for six yards against the Steelers. So far this year, no touchdowns in six games. Stefanski said, I will tell you first and foremost, I need to do a better job. I really do. I need to make sure that I put him in position to make some plays, and I did not do a good enough job certainly yesterday. Having said that, he gets a lot of attention from the defense. There are a bunch of plays where the safety is cheating to him, and that opens opportunities for other guys. Well, listen, uh, I mean, Beckham right now, would anybody trade for him? He's got two years, $30 million left. That's almost quarterback money. But uh, so, yeah, he said the uh, Baker Mayfield stinks. He's not finding my son on any of these routes. That's one of the things. Like, remember Connor Cook, before he got drafted, his dad tweeted out some homophobic stuff. And I'm sure Connor Cook was like, hey, dad, why don't you shut up? I don't think you're helping. Open lines. 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on back.
20: Tell me who's watching.
26: Who's watching me?
1: That's 800-760-1845. Hello? You there in the car. Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. Woo! I bet that would scare the heck out of you. (laughs) But seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa! That's ridiculous. Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars calling AIS Insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra $600, you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS Insurance right now, and get your car washed. Please. 800 756 3744. 800 756 3744. 800 756 3744. That's 800 756 3744.
23: Teams have four attempts to move the ball 10 yards. So if you see a graphic on your screen that says first and 10, that means it's the team's first attempt to get 10 yards.
11: be crazy use a d-o-g and if you was my man i would have been kicked you out of my house by now this is what had happened
3: the world serious it is serious tonight game six 509 first pitch pacific 809 on the east coast the braves hold a 3-2 lead max freed back on the bump since the all-star break max freed was one of the best pitchers on the planet Eight and two with a one seven four. Well, in the postseason, he's one and two with a five forty. The KBB is still amazing twenty three strikeouts, three walks. He's just been leaving some pitches up, up there in the happy zone. So, and game two was not a horrifying start for Max Fried. It just wasn't good for him. Gives up a first running, a first inning double, two fly balls, got the ground ball bombed in the fourth run, a four run second inning, ground ball single against the shift, infield single, seeing eye single, Eddie Rosario, threw to no one in particular. There are, there are some bad breaks, but Free said after game two, quote, obviously I'm not happy about it. Playoffs is a big momentum game playoffs is is they you got to do everything you can to keep the crooked number off the scoreboard at the end of the day they put up four runs in that inning you need to do better next time just making pitches getting out of it six innings six runs is bad but Freed did settle down after that four run second inning and he started chewing up innings he spared the bullpen So that said, a repeat of that Game 2 would not guarantee success in Game 7, but it would keep a fresh bullpen for Game 7. And maybe the Braves don't need Freed to dominate, but they need him to eat up some of them innings, y'all. So in Game 2, Freed adjusted his pitch mix after that four-run second. He basically put his fastball on the shelf and went heavy with sliders and curves. Ten in a row he retired after that but he usually uses his fastballs as show-me pitches, and then he gets people out with the breaking stuff. But he went heavily into the breaking stuff. And that's what they're waiting for. So if you throw 90% breaking balls like Freed did, that's not something you can keep up. Well, first of all, you'll ruin your arm real quick. (laughs) I don't care how old you are or experienced you are. But if you're one game away from a World Series title, then, yeah, you can pull it off. But the slider and the curveball, those are his two best pitches and truly elite breaking balls. Freed said yesterday, it's just sticking with your strengths, pitching my game, and really trusting what we see with our eyes. We're going to make adjustments. At this time of year, it's about just getting outs, so whatever we can do to get outs is what the plan of attack is going to be. So we're going to have Garcia on short rest. After using Jose Urquidy for an inning in relief in Game 5, the Astros will give the ball to Luis Garcia on short rest in Game 6. And his postseason right now for the Rook, 7.62. Yeah. Labored in Game 3, allowed just one run, walked four batters in three and a third, nursing a sore knee. Never started on short rest before, but he had extra rest in his previous four starts. Dusty Baker says, I don't know. It depends where we are in the lineup. He's not our only option. We have Oda Rizzi. We could come back with Urquidy because Game 5 was his throw day, but I'd rather not, so we've got a full bullpen. That's a lot for the kid, but despite the achy knee, Garcia exited ALCS Game 2 in the second inning because of that knee, remember. He has had a really good fastball in his last two starts. And sits around 94 to 96, sometimes touches 98. The obvious question is, will Garcia have that same fastball on short rest? But we don't know. But I'll tell you what, uh, adrenaline is a hell of a thing. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Postseason World Series. I mean, Charlie Morton is about to be 38 years old, and he threw his fastest pitch of the entire season in the postseason. So it's not just Garcia who's shown an uptick in velocity. Most pitchers actually do. Garcia said, Nothing changed. I just like to do things more quick. I can say that, but nothing has changed. I just want to do my thing and be prepared for game six. I'm just going to try to do my best job that I can do and help the team. End quote. All right. Well, look, I mean, we're baseball fans, and baseball fans. As we are, we know when a pitcher is on short rest, the fatigue starts to show up. And they don't necessarily come out with less velocity early. They just hit the wall earlier. Instead of 100 pitches, maybe 75. The danger zone is not the first inning. It's the it's the third and the fourth and the fifth. That's when the fatigue starts coming in. No one knows this more than Dusty Baker. He's been around uh, he knows this is a win or go home game. It's gonna be the shortest leash this guy's ever had in his career. The bullpen is probably will be standing from first pitch. If they can get five out of Garcia on short rest, that would be a great in, uh, outcome for them. Three good, in, like three shutout innings, would qualify as success. But pitching on short rest late in the year is grueling. And Baker said, quote, we think that he's the best for the job. We realize that he has a short leash, but then everybody out there has a short leash and operating on low rest or not full rest. But what we do get in the AL Park, and maybe forever, maybe forever going forward, is the fact that the DH is back. We talked about that yesterday. Zach Reinke's line drive single as a pinch hitter in Game Five will be the last hit ever by a pitcher in the World Series, perhaps. I mean, now that the World Series is is back in the AL, that means the Astros, um, who had to put Jordan Alvarez in left field, now they can <laughs> just let him swing the bat. Now you can have Chas McCormick or the lightning fast Jose Siri, Siri, who's fast. Beep beep me. Now those guys, one of them, can get in the lineup. And Baker said, I thought about it, but I haven't really really decided exactly what I'm going to do. It depends who I think is the best to hit free, the best that we need outfield coverage, what we need for energy, who's kind of been hot, who's been cold. Like my dad used to tell me, some things you got to sleep on, so I'll sleep on it. Johnny Lee Baker Sr., by the way. For the Braves, that allows them to put all their outfielders Jack Peterson had to sit. Jorge Soler had to sit. Now all four will be out there. One will be with uh, probably Peterson will be out there with Rosario and Duvall and and Soler will DH, but we'll see. But you wonder about that bullpen uh, fatigue. Both these teams are playing their 178th game of the season. And both p- bullpens have been ridden hard and put away wet. Astros, relievers have thrown 58% of the team's postseason innings, Atlanta 55%. It feels like a Houston starter has bowed out of the second or third inning every game. Baker said, we have a well-rested bullpen. Javier, after him, we have a well-rested Odorizzi, well-rested Taylor, semi-rested Raley, semi-rested the rest of the bullpen, Other than Graveman, we'll see how he feels. A pretty well-rested Presley, so there could be a full bullpen, and then we'll worry about Game 7 on Wednesday. Well, I mean, when you look at A.J. Minter, who has been so excellent, and he coughed up three runs in an inning, he couldn't even put away Martin Maldonado, who's out there for defense with the bases loaded. But Luke Stanek, Phil uh, Maton, Tyler Matzik, Will Smith, Ryan Stanek, they've all appeared in at least 10 of the 15 games this postseason. They have a full season's workload under their arms, and they've been worked even harder this month. And, and the off day Monday will help, but even with Game 6, that'd be three appearances in five days. If it's Graveman, Jackson, Matek, Minter, Smith, or Yumi Garcia, it would be three appearances in four days for Maton and Martin. So, Brian Snicker, Braves manager, said, everybody that's in the World Series right now is gassed. Everybody. Both teams, all the players. It's been a long year, but I feel really good with where our club is. I feel really good with where the bullpen guys are. Some of these guys have had two days off, and at the most, two more games to play. I think they're in good shape. I admire the heck out of our bullpen because of what these guys have done. I remember when the Giants won the World Series, and everyone said, oh, you overworked Brian Wilson. You ended his career. You ended his career. Would you end your career to win a World Series? For a team that had never won since they moved from New York and that since 1958, probably would you do it? I think you probably would make that move. I don't know. Call me crazy. I think it's a good trade. And by the way, B. Weezy's career wasn't ruined. He ended up pitching for the Dodgers. In fact, he had a blue beard. Do you remember the blue beard? I know. It's weird, ain't it? Uh, And one more baseball note. The New York Mets have officially now fired their interim GM, Zach Scott. Scott joined the Mets from the Red Sox when acting as acting GM once Jared Porter was fired because he harassed uh, a woman journalist. And Scott got there so late... Uh, in the season he couldn't do much and then he got arrested for DUI after a team fundraiser he's been away from the team on administrative leave now the Athletic reported last week that it was possible that Scott would remain but Sandy Alderson said there's been very little contact with Zach yeah that would mean it's probably done but listen Alderson they've kicked the tires on so many GMs there And Cohen has all that money, and Alderson is just, I guess, too old to do this at this point. The latest rumor now is that the Mets have requested permission to speak with Red Sox Executive Vice President of Baseball Administration and Assistant General Manager, a woman named Raquel Ferreira. And New York is also interested in Assistant GM Ben Sestanovich of Atlanta. Ben Sestanovich and the assistant GM of the Cardinals, Randy Flores. But so far, Theo Epstein, no thanks. Billy Bean, no thanks. David Stearns, no thanks. I'm Rick Tittle. Let's take a quick break and come on back.
16: have a wonderful vacation on a cruise ship without putting yourself in a severe risk of getting sick make your cruise vacation plans now call and let one of viva voyages cruise experts help you find the safest cruise package at the lowest rates of the year
1: 800-585-4760 800-585-4760 800-585-4760, that's 800-585-4760. teams have
23: four attempts to move the ball 10 yards. So if you see a graphic on your screen that says first and 10, that means it's the team's first attempt to get 10 yards.
11: crazy use a d-o-g and if you was my man i would have been kicked you out of my house by now this is what had happened
3: this is what had happened yes that's what i was trying to say the whole time one play one play it's not updated it's still the ugly one it's still the ugly one dominic i just clicked on sportsbyline.com and it's still the ugly one I don't know. It's got, maybe it takes a minute to get in. I'm just teasing, Dominic. Uh, how about this? Clay Heldon was at USC. And when you get fired from USC, somebody else will take you. Right? Right? Somebody. I mean, you could say I was the— it, It's sort of like if I went to some podunk town and be like, I was in the fifth market. I did NFL pre and post. I did Major League Baseball pre and post. Uh, I was doing shows from the Warriors and the Sharks, blah, blah, blah. Somebody will say, damn, Hire, you can do monkey's eyebrow Kentucky radio, Rick. Right? Well, that's especially true if you're a football coach from USC. And Georgia Southern, according to Yahoo Sports, he's taken over as head coach, Chad Lunsford, or as he's known down there, Chad Lunsford, he was fired after a 1-3 and start. So Helton, of course, got fired in September after they lost at home to Stanford. He was two games into his seventh season. It's hard to believe, since taking over for Steve Sarkeesian, he'd been on the staff for 11 years, but he's never coached in the Sun Belt. He does have some ties to that area at Dixie, though, because he played at Auburn. He worked at Duke. He worked at Memphis before he got to L.A., And his dad was an assistant at Florida, at Miami, and the Buccaneers, Tampa Bay. So Kevin Whitley, who was the cornerbacks coach under Lunsford, has been serving as the interim since the dismissal, and in that time they are 1-3. and They're 2-6 and right now. Georgia Southern will have to win their last four games just to get to their fourth straight bowl game. Clay Helton, Georgia Southern. I like that. I like that better than Southern Georgia. Georgia Southern. All right, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific Time.
27: Yeah, man, I hope we don't have brain damage. <laughs>